Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Startup of the Year podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, and on this episode, I'm going to be talking to Rafiq Ahmed and Matul Patel about their experiences developing products and their new fund, Apollo Ventures. But first, I want to talk to you about the .us Veterans Startup of the Year. We'll be looking for innovative startups led by U.S. veterans and or their spouses or dependents. And we'll be selecting the .us Startup of the Year at our 8th Annual Startup of the Year Summit in the fall. They'll compete for a chance at $10,000 in non-dilutive cash from .us. In addition, they'll have an opportunity for other prizes and glory from the regular Startup of the Year competition itself. The application deadline is coming up fast, and it's out there on our website, so go check it out. It's at startoftheyear.com, or it's at soty.link forward slash sotyusvet. Again, it's sotylink forward slash sotyusvet. We hope you, you apply, and if you know somebody that might be a good applicant, please pass that info along. .us is also proud to support the established community. A thriving community made up of veterans, entrepreneurs, startup teams, industry leaders, you know, all over, over the world. And so as part of that, we're proud to provide you with a free .us domain and website builder. So if you're interested, you have an idea out there and you want to get it and bring it to life, go to soty.link forward slash US domain and you can get a free domain and get started right away. All right, now back to our program. We're going to be talking to Rafiq Ahmed and he's the uh, managing uh, director at Apollo Ventures, which is an early stage venture fund uh, focused on hardware and hard tech and they're based out of Chicago. So they're really... Uh, new, but they're doing some interesting things. Rafiq has uh, got experience in developing mobile products. Uh, he used to design at uh, the Motorola uh, Mobility Lab, which is uh, some of the first apps that were out there. And they were uh, the Mobility Lab was actually acquired by Google, so it became part of Google. Um, he's also the co-founder of Demibooks, which is the first platform for developing interactive book apps on the iPad. And so Demibooks was acquired by Education Development Corporation in 2015. He's got an exit, so he's got an exit under his belt as well. Uh, and Rafiq is is actually joined by uh, Matul Patel, who's all, their venture partner at Apollo Ventures. He's the CEO of MP Consulting. So Matul has developed a variety of products in his career, including phones, wearables, innovative uh, innovative smart home applications, and industrial sensors. So he's going to be joining us as well, and they're really trying to push the boundaries. And, and I think he has um, 10 patents under his belt as well over the last decade. So he's done quite a bit in the space and seems like the right fit for this kind of fun. So let's jump into the interview. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey Frank, good afternoon. How are you? Doing great. Can you guys share just to kind of kick it off how you guys uh, got got together, how you kind of divide and conquer with this new fund, and maybe a little bit more about the fund? Sure, um, I can take a stab and then maybe we'll jump in. I guess. Yeah. So DiPaolo um, is a like you said a new fund. We're in the process of raising. Um, we are starting to get active with one or two investments uh, already. Uh, looking at a few other deals. But our thesis is around a space that we see a lot of opportunity in, but not enough venture gets into. So it's um, connected hardware and hard tech. Um, and so the, these are these are generally areas that people uh, in, in the venture world say hardware is hard and, and it's complex. Uh, it, it's, it's not that it's hard if you know what you're doing. And our background is from that product and, and design and engineering world. 
um, as well as last several years been doing angel investing and such. So right. Mitchell and I connected to, to sort of look at this space and see what can we do differently. Um, so yeah, we're looking forward to, to talking more about that today. And until you come from more of an engineering background, so can you share a little bit more about your, your kind of take and perspective and input into the fund? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we look at the fund as an opportunity to not only uh, focus on hard tech and physical products, but also try to uh, bring a little bit of security to the investment um, and uh, basically provide years and years of, or I would say decades of product development expertise, whether it be supply chain operations or actual physical design and help de-risk the uh, go-to-market plan for uh, our portfolio. And that's sort of the, um, the mashup here of the financial side of what a typical VC um, engages in. And then we bring a, a robust hardware competency to. Um, Great. And are you focused just on the Midwest or what's your kind of regional kind of focus for this fund? So I would say U.S. center, anything that's not um, Bay Area, Boston, New York, per se. Um, so the, so Midwest, yeah, we're in the region. Okay. And you've got some experience investing in similar types of products. So maybe share a couple. I know um, there's a couple, one out of Chicago at least, and, and a couple others. Can you share a little bit more about your background in investing? And then we'll dive into what you're kind of looking for uh, from a startup perspective. In the fund, we have a couple of companies. One's called New Current. Uh, it's a wireless charging platform out of Chicago. And then the other one at the moment is Geobit, which is a tracking device for pets, kids, and uh, lately military assets as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a new new product line that they've been working on and it's been announced. The, um, the, the ones that we look at, again, will range from where there's a product that may be in market or is in development. That's where we'll add the most value when something's in development, uh, all the way to potentially material sciences or light technologies, et cetera. So these are some of the spaces that we find interesting. Okay. So how early are you looking then? Well, we have this program that's hands-on. It's it's what Mitchell referred to as um, the, the the way we de-risk the investment. It's called a residency. So it's a six-week program. Uh, it's not an accelerator, uh, but it's a six-week program where we look under the hood um, in design and engineering disciplines, and right. try to move the needle on, on some things that matter to the to the founders. And at the end of that process, we'll have known more about the team. We'll help them tighten up the plan. We'll potentially, you know, bring in our, our contacts in, in supply chain, et cetera, to, to just basically have a, a better sense of how long it's going to take to build a product. So that's as early. But then opportunistically, we'll look at later stage companies as well. We, we can we can do pre-seed uh, all the way through to series A or B, potentially even C if we need to on an opportunistic basis. That's great. And so um, you're looking for hardware you're looking for hard tech what what are some of the things you're seeing out there that that excite you Mitchell, do you want to jump in see talk a little bit about some of the things that we've seen yeah so um we're, we're seeing a lot of uh consumer tech plays with sensing and uh, monitoring um whether it's something with athletics or a wearable of sorts um, there's also another big push, which is applicable now, 
um, with hygiene and sterilization concepts, and that runs the gambit from healthcare to consumer tech uh, when it comes to sterilization. That's interesting, yeah. And then, uh, are you seeing people pivoting then from like other products to get into that space, or do you like you mentioned uh, uh, Joybit? You know, working on some things. Are you seeing more companies focusing on COVID nineteen focused um, products or, or health tech or, or whatnot? Yeah, so it's kind of inevitable at this point because of the uh, market. You know, you either have to pivot or you're on hold for six six to eight months here. Um, and so we are seeing uh, quite a few companies pivot to uh, whether it's a permanent business case pivot or a, a temporary shift. Um, just to ease the supply chain or assist with uh, specific market needs right now. Um, We've definitely seen that pivot occur. To to add a little bit more color to that, I mean, it depends on where a company is in its level of maturity. So if you're a single product company and it does X, um, you can't just you know, pivot completely. So, so we, we, we've been working with a company that's in, in sort of the clan Luna space which in itself is useful after the current crisis started, the light bulbs went off. Like how, how do you sort of move this faster? Um, whether they can or not depends just because they're in the middle of product uh, development, their, their supply chain, et cetera. You know, others, on the other hand, there's, there's, a, there's a different company that has a testing platform um, for allergies and, and they may be able to do say even COVID-19 testing and, and how quickly they do also depends on, you know, is, is there still a market opportunity? So I think every startup's looking at the current scenario, looking at the world, you know, in the next 12 months plus and, and seeing not, not just how they can take advantage of, of an opportunity, but just how they can be helpful. All right. So let's kind of go, kind of go back into, um, you know, the companies that you're investing in and, and you know, what kinds of um, investments are you making? And then what kinds of capital are you, um, you know, how much capital is the right capital, I guess, for some of these startups? Um, in terms of sectors, you know, where we'd like to focus, makes sense for the Midwest, makes sense for the U.S. centers. So our thesis um, prior to the COVID-19 crisis has been food tech, ag tech, uh, medical device, healthcare industrial broadly and because of our background we both come from motorola and that's you know the google motorola world is sort of our our very strong ecosystem so consumer electronics because of our background so when you look at the world going forward um in in those sectors we're going to be a little bit more um i guess uh, thoughtful around what are some things that are going to work you know and 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 certainly in health uh and food and industrial there's and there's uh, there's plenty of things that are that are much more uh, you know, important or, or, or change quickly. Um, what check sizes? Yeah. So ideally when, when we have the fund completely up and running, our initial check size, um, in the residency would be about 250 K. Um, and then there'd be follow on uh, investments. Yeah. I, I suspect the way it's going to play out. It, I'm sure you'll get into this, but fundraising this year is not going to be fun. I mean, you, you have to, you know, find me five, 10 years from now and remind me how crazy March uh, and April 2020 uh, you know, was. But initially, we're going to probably write smaller checks uh, as, we, right. as we start up. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, think about it. You, you, like you just said, I mean, you're raising a fund, you know, 
we don't know what that, that's going to look like for the next six to eight months. So whatever you've got ready to go in deploying, you might want to like slow the roll a little bit to let it last longer. Is that is that the, the thought? Absolutely. And 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 we have a position in 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 companies that make sense. So if we can't write as big of a check, I think most startups now um, also have to shore up their cash flow, right? And so um, whether it's our fund companies that we're in discussion with or in my angel network. So I, I've been angel investing for several years in Chicago. So every one of them has been going through the math and going through what they can, uh, you know, and as, as you know, from, from your own portfolio, everyone's sort of reevaluating. Totally. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, so maybe um, when, with the companies that are out there, you know, are you currently getting more pitches? I mean, at this, have you been getting a lot of pitches in the last, let's say, couple of weeks from companies? I don't know that it's slowed down, but we haven't really come to market in any any big way either. This podcast might actually be our first public, um, you know, way to to say hello. Oh, fantastic! Okay, so let's. T- what else? What else would you like uh, startup founders to know about you guys? Let's let's start there. You guys have come from a Google Google and uh, Motorola background, focused on hard, on hard tech. How do you guys approach like, um, I guess, metrics in that world? Like what? What are you? What are you? What are you looking at for like success with like these early stage products? Well, let, let Mitchell jump in. He's been building hardware products for some time, and I'll give you my perspective as well. Yeah, I'll take yep. this one. So, you know, my, I think my core tenet is that hardware is not hard. Um, it's a common phrase that people always talk about, but that's not um, something that we live by. Um, and uh, you know, mistakes can be expensive when you're building hardware, but um, and mistakes will happen. But it's about handling those mistakes in the appropriate way to not compound issues and um, trying to navigate circumstances, whether it be technical glitches or supply chain mishaps, COVID-19, for example, how do you, how do you navigate that ecosystem? And I think the, the crux of any startup um, comes down to building the right team. Um, It starts with the CEO or the the co-founders and hiring the right uh, staff, whether it be contractors, helpers, um, your own your own full time staff, whatever it may be, but building the right skill sets on your team at the right time is critical for success. And uh, you don't want to be too early with certain uh, staffing decisions. You don't want to be too late. But if you have the right team, um, if you have folks wearing multiple hats, it's obviously even better. But that team is the most important piece. And having the right team leads to having a good spec. And that, I would say, is um, really the crux of what separates successful businesses from um, those that struggle a lot is, do you know what you're building? Do you know how much it's going to cost? And what does that specification look like? The more detailed the spec, um, the more successful the outcome of that company will be. Right. That makes sense. And then... You know, are some most of these products that you're working on are they where are they built? Are they built like are they physically building the prototypes themselves, or are they lo- like working with other third parties to build them, or how does that work? So, we 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 see people finding it much easier to to start uh, companies in general, right? In the digital world as well, when you look at hardware, it's easier to go make a prototype. Um, you, you've got 3D printers, you've got ra- Raspberry Pi kits, you've got Arduino kits. So people will make prototypes. The problem that I think Mitol independently runs a product 
development um, agency called MPC. Um, so what he's been seeing and then what, what I was seeing on the venture side is folks don't have an idea of how, how much it actually costs and how long it's going to take. They'll go to Kickstarter and say it's going to take me six months and X dollars. And in reality, it's 3X as long or 4X as expensive. And so I think the idea is you, you really need to design for, for that manufacturing and that scale. And you've got to have the experience. And that's what we're trying to bring to the table. Um, that makes sense. What, what they're building, yeah, they'll, they'll build wherever they're building. In Chicago, it's often at places like an M-Hub or it's outsourced to a product uh, design agency. Um, and I think what Mitul was touching on is that balance between when, what are the engineers you want to have in, in-house? You know, what do you contract out? For us, one other aspect of what's really important is design, what I call design in the DNA. So just having that sense of not just the product you're building, but why are you making this? Who needs this? Where are the users? You know, start with humans. Uh, and if anything that, you know, we, we got out of a place like Motorola, I think it's you build for people. And, um, and, and at the end of the day, if, if teams have that, um, understanding great if they've been doing some user validation, etc. Great. If not, that's an area that we we also can can help fine tune plans. Another really important piece of this, and just touching back upon what you just said, Rafiq, but I would say the lack of supply chain fundamentals is what leads to really poor scheduling and cost forecasts, whether it be internal budgeting or go to market cost goods sold. Um, Basically, I mean, we're finding in the world of fast prototyping and these maker spaces, um, they're providing value uh, to a certain segment of population that makes hardware dev cheaper up front. Um, but that uh, that access to 3D printing and really quick turn demo kits, whether it be Arduinos or Raspberry Pis, you lose a lot of your plan for scale. And we're, we're, seeing, we're just seeing a lot of designs come out that prioritize uh, 3D printing or Arduino-based designs, and those aren't necessarily scalable uh, or right. manufacturable from an injection molding perspective. They're cute products that they've built with their 3D printer rather than something that can be mass-produced. Yeah. Okay. So let's do a little exercise because I just, as you guys were talking, you guys have a lot of expertise in what it takes to bring these products to life. And I feel like, I, I don't know, can't even tell you how many times I've been asked, well, I've got, or, hey, I've got this idea, Frank, I, I'd like to do this thing. And I, do you know anybody that could help me with bringing this thing to life? And it's usually a physical product. And I'm just like, yeah, talk to like somebody at like maybe Indiegogo or Kickstarter about the process of creating that prototype and whatnot. But maybe in, in maybe a quick you know, few minutes here, maybe talk through what would the, the right steps be for somebody like that? Because a lot of times they're like, well, should I go get a, a, you know, a patent on this product first? And should I do this or that? You guys already stressed the importance of team, you know, so, but if they don't have a team, let's say they're, they're sitting somewhere where, you know, right now, especially in their home, figuring, try with, you know, this, this burning idea, you know, that's that they want to get out in the world. What should they do? What are the steps they should take? For, for me, I'll be, I'll be brief, it's, it's put your thought down on paper, write, write it down. Like who, who are you building this for? Uh, what's it going to maybe look like? Uh, how are you going to sell it? Uh, you, might, you may build the world's greatest product, but unless someone buys it, uh, then, you know, what's the point? So you, you, you need to sort of make a plan. If you're really at that very first stage, and, and that's true for, for any business. 
Um, I, I think later, if you've got prototypes, you've got a little bit of traction with your team and, and, and you're on your way and you're looking for financing, then you start looking for angel investors. Before that, probably friends and family. And then after that, some institutional funds such as ours. So, so for us, you know, we're in this sort of place which we'll figure out, which is we're an institutional check, but we can go fairly early in the process. Um, and and maybe even come in at, at that area between Angel and a, a large VC, if you will. And from a Harbor perspective, I would say for, for those that do have these thoughts, I've, we get a lot of this, of course. Um, I, I think the, the key takeaway is to know what your end goal is, right? So you could want, um, you know, I'll use the smart light bulb since there's a lot of those. Um, if I wanted wanted to create a smart light bulb and I thought I had a brilliant idea to develop a smart light bulb. Um, I should then ask myself, do I want to be running a smart light bulb company or do I want to already take a smart light bulb that's already in the market and provide an, an improvement or a solution to bringing that with an enhanced feature set that doesn't already exist? And there's a big difference between the two. And one, one avenue you turn into a hardware company yourself where you're worried about supply chain and you're wor worried about all the logistics involved with making a brand new smart light bulb and in the other solution your solutions company that is realizing that the market already has 50 smart light bulb companies and can you apply your novel idea to somebody else's hardware solution and making that d distinction is very very important early on of what it's, it's great that you have an idea, but what do you want to do with that idea and how do you want to bring that to market? Do you want to save the world uh, with a new gadget that may not necessarily require a ground up hardware design? That's great. Great, great point. Yeah, I think that's you see a lot of that. You see a lot of folks that want to create an additional feature on a product that already exists. And instead, they create the whole thing from scratch, which isn't going to necessarily move the needle as much. Um, OK, great. So, OK, so you're seeing this stuff early. You're seeing, you know, you're able to kind of fund along the way. Um, maybe some some advice about like you talked about people and, and as a team being important. You talked about um, listening to your customers or finding customers as part of that. You know, maybe let's dive into um, how do you avoid building the wrong product? And I think it goes back to that that customer discovery. But what do you is that is that what you guys think as well? If you look at why startups fail, uh, really a large number of of um, Consumer, uh, I think CB Insights does a survey twice a year. Most of the failure is always because you're building the wrong product that people don't love and don't want to use. So I, I can't emphasize enough the, the role of design uh, and design not just to make it look pretty, but design from a usability and design to actually solve problems that exist, not things that you you know think exist and mm -hmm. want to solve for. Um, yeah, so, so the sooner, and, and, and you know, I can't tell you enough stories of how otherwise super intelligent people will, will come kicking and screaming, you know, um, into design, that they'll resist it, uh, or, or just talking to, to enough users who aren't their friends, uh, and will tell them what they want to hear. So I think... Is, wait, is that because they're trying to do it all themselves, or because they're just, what is the reason for that usually? That's an interesting psychological question. I mean, I, I think sometimes we, we want to do something as entrepreneurs. Look, even before this, um, 
I, I had a startup for five or six years when you and I met back in Chicago, right? Right. Um, and, and we didn't ask people, did you need this? Uh, do, do, do you need Demibooks, this platform to make interactive apps? I mean, we, we had this idea uh, in our head when Steve Jobs first came out with the iPad and we went and built it. And along the way, we started to ask people, what do you think and how do we make it better? So I'm guilty of this myself. But had I asked people, they wouldn't have known exactly what to tell me either. So sometimes you're building products that are really new. And at other times, you're building solutions to problems that, that you know, maybe exist. Um, I, I think part of it is we want to build things and we don't want to ask, uh, you know, others to maybe say that this isn't what you should be building. Um, but, but part of it is also, it's intimidating. Like where are all these people out there that I, that I need to go and survey and how much is it going to cost? And so, so I think it, it, it spreads the gamut and, and there are tools, there are easy to, you know, sort of low cost ways of, of getting user feedback that that's out there that people can find. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then I guess once you have that, that thing out there, how do you know when it's the right time to scale? You touched on supply chain earlier. Just want to know, like, what's the right timing? You've got your maybe you've got your Indiegogo or Kickstarter, and you've got traction. At what what point do you turn it on? I mean, my sense of that is when when it makes sense to scale is when you've got that product market fit. Scaling means you're going to increase profitability. In, in in my book, in in some books, it just means getting more users and and continuing to lose more money. Um, which in our world, I mean, you're making a product, it, it has a cost of goods, you're going to sell it and you're going to make a profit. You, you, you don't put a million units out there and, and lose money uh, in the hope that someday you'll make money. So mm -hmm. uh, I think scaling in this world is, is, is when you've got that fit, when you're looking at unit economics. Um, Mithul, I, you know, do you want to add more? Yeah. So I, my preference when it comes to <clears throat> these uh, crowding, uh, funding campaigns, crowdfunding campaigns, um, is to focus on manufacturing. Use it as, if you want to use it as a marketing tool, still use it when you're ready to scale. Um, we find that a lot of companies use these crowdfunding sites to do the initial development. And that turns into a gamble, actually, because you're, you're spending quite a bit of somebody else's money, let's say, to do prototyping and development and the gambling that you will get an institutional investment or a line of credit or something like that for production. And that's not that's usually not a guarantee. Right. So when you see all these, a lot of these Kickstarter campaigns fail, you'll find that they may have a great video, they have a great marketing campaign. But um, if, they, if they use those funds for development and not production, um, it'll usually end very badly for really the backers and the company. Right. Okay. And so then w along kind of those same lines, what's the next step as far as like they've got their great successful campaign? When's the right time to pitch investors? I, I think because we, we serve sort of both the product development uh, problem and the investment problem uh, early, uh, early <laughs> enough. Um, when, when you've got a little bit more than just a PowerPoint deck, uh, you've, you've put some skin in the game, uh, you've, you've uh, started to make the first iteration of the prototype, and you know maybe what you're stuck on is, well, gosh, I don't know anybody in China, um, or I really you know want to look at other supply chains other than China, um, or basically I haven't uh, 
you know figured out how this this uh, this really is going to come together in a larger system so we we've you know we, we've got the ability to maybe then help you in in this shortened residency period right and you've got you kind of got a unique approach so i guess it doesn't it's not a one size fits all either because of the different areas that you jump in but maybe if you could kind of size up the the ideal company like you saw this company you'd be like wow they've got the right right people team they've got the right metrics they've got the right time they've got the you know they've got all the different things that we're looking for what does that look like to you like is there a way to kind of put some kind of like quantifiable metrics around it i mean we're looking for disruptive potential and i know everybody's looking for that but often um you know problems just aren't big enough and, and you haven't got a unique solution. So you can have a nice business, but it's not necessarily VC backable. Unfortunately, that is very true. Um, we, we, we're looking for people that know what they know and, and, and know what they don't know. Um, some entrepreneurs are just not coachable, unfortunately. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, you, you, you try um, and, 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 and people, to some extent, if you are crazy enough to start a, a startup, then, then to, to a great extent, you know, you, you, you're your own leader, you, you've got your vision, but we still um, want to see folks that are easy to work with and then can can learn from mentorship, etc. Um, another point I want to bring up is just valuation. Um, and, and there is going to be a change. There is already a change in valuation as we go. Through, right. We're in deals now where uh, larger VCs are are going to make much more outrageous demands on notes and, and discount rates and, and such. Um, we're going to see founders uh, taking down their, uh, you know, lofty expectations um, quite a bit. Um, so so we're, we're looking for good value. Typically, the, the company that comes into our residency is, is a below five, if I can throw a number out, maybe below five million in terms of valuation. Um, and, and, and then, you know, you go from there. Okay. That's helpful. Yeah. I think we've got a lot of startups that listen. And so I wanted to kind of make sure we're paying the right picture for the right types of companies that you're looking for, um, to kind of help vet and maybe help them maybe match up with what you're, what you're doing. So that's helpful. Um, okay. So let's talk about, uh, the vision for the fund. Like what are your kind of short-term and long-term goals and, and, uh, where do you see this kind of going in like say five years to 10 years? Um, I, I can go first. Uh, Mitchell's probably got some ideas, uh, but but really this year is all about survival, right? For everybody, um, and for us that means to get started to to make uh, some sound investments, which we you know we had done some due diligence on some companies that were in progress. We're hoping to write you know a couple of checks here in the near term, um, and continue raising. Um, I, I think uh, our thesis is solid. Uh, we're looking at sectors that are generally um, quite complex, uh, but require investment. Why? Because we live in a physical world, so that doesn't go away. This this intersection between hardware and software is very much uh, here, and um, uh, there's nothing you know in this COVID nineteen situation that sort of tells me I should stop doing what I'm doing. I, I you know we we believe in in this. And uh, it's a, it's a longer term play. In five years, yeah, hopefully we're working on fun too. Hopefully we've got a great portfolio that we've already assembled um, and, and we've got some great founders uh, and, and investors that are happy with the performance. So we clearly see this as a long-term play. And, and the last thing I'll say really is, 
this is a great time for for folks who are looking at investments and everyone's you know worried about the stock market as they rightly should be we've all lost money in it in some shape or form it'll come back hopefully but it's also a good time to be diversified and i think venture offers that opportunity startups innovation all of these things are not going away uh creativity is 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 not gonna die tomorrow yeah, no, that's a great point. And I'm glad you brought that up. As you see everyone in, that's quarantined at this point coming out with new shows on the internet. <laughs> you know, like, creati- creativity is, is, is flourishing. I've seen a lot of my friends that are product people or whatnot launch a new products like there there's a lot don't, don't bring up tiger shark that's a yeah that's a whole nother no whole nother podcast but um but yeah no that sounds really i mean it's that's that's a great point though about um you know it, it will come back and i think that you know you know we're hopeful that'll happen from a stock market perspective but um these companies are also out there um continue to move forward and and a lot of them now you know some of the ones that you just mentioned that you're working with are are you know targeting some of the the issues that are out there and making a difference so i think that's really important um for not just this country but globally so um all right so let's let's share um did you have anything else you wanted to share about short-term long-term goals no i think we covered it okay cool and then final question i think unless i missed anything is just like any other um info you want to share any plugs any like how, you know, and then, and then how people can get in touch with you about your fund. Two plugs. One is info at dipaloventures.com and it's D-I-P-A-L-O. Um, but, but yeah, it's info at dipaloventures.com. You can find us uh, on LinkedIn and yeah, we, we, we're going to be doing a little bit more. One of the things that's going to be hard is we're not physically out there, you know, and, and I hope that startup of the year um, gets, gets going again somewhere. Um, a lot of our work is to meet the founders in person in, in every city out there, like Indianapolis or, or uh, you know, Minneapolis or Wisconsin up in Detroit. So that's going to be hard. We have to do a lot more virtual pitches, but we're willing to, to meet folks where they are. And I want Mitchell to talk a little bit about the, uh, the, the, the PPE work that um, he's been doing. Yeah, so we've been, um, <clears throat> we've been building... Well, there's a, there's a big group in Chicago that have come together. It's been quite impressive, actually. Um, it's, it's been product companies, uh, competitors from a design firm perspective. It really doesn't matter. There's been a large group of engineering uh, folks, mechanical, electrical, software, all coming together to build PPE solutions for our local community. Uh, and each firm has sort of taken on its own um, key project, you know, MHub's taken on ventilators, MPC's taken on uh, what we're calling PAPRs or uh, you know, uh, it's forced air respirator, basically. So it's a little bit, little bit better than N95, uh, but sort of in the same, uh, if, if, if there's a ward or a, a COVID, um, like a, a big center that's COVID only, um, it makes sense for folks who have a full mask apparatus with filtered air blowing into their face and uh, our firm's taken taken that on and so we're you know through this mess that we're in um, trying to use our skills where we can I guess to protect the real frontline workers and the heroes that are um, trying to keep us all healthy so well thank you thank you for doing that I, it's a it's a real hole right now in the country as far as we, there's not enough uh, 
you know, protective equipment out there, personal protective equipment, uh, as you mentioned, and um, anything we can do to help get the get the right things in the right hands <laughs> is uh, is a huge um, huge thing for the country. So thank you for doing that. There's a there's a GoFundMe page that's on uh, the DiPaolo Ventures uh, LinkedIn page. Um, there's there's face shields that are that are being made and, and sent out um, to all kinds of hospitals. So yeah, uh, we 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 hope uh, you know. Uh, this 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 thing comes to an end soon. We can't wait to get out again. <laughs> so. Right, but in the meantime, you guys are, are making an effort to to basically redirect some of the effort, some of the energy towards creating a um, the products that are needed in the market at, as of you know right now, which is super important. So we appreciate that. And it's amazing that so many people are really across the world. There, there's that's one of the those silver linings, I guess, in this. Thanks so much, Rafiq and Matul. You guys are doing some great work. Keep it up. Thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks again to everyone who's been listening uh, along on this episode. We hope to have another one soon. And remember, in the process, keep starting up. Your ideas are worth getting out there. Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe, and we'll be back with another episode soon.